Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Howdy, y'all. It's Merle, the old Montana If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cowboy here. Grab your overalls and lanterns, because we're about to delve into a spine. Chilling tail that'll make your skin crawl. So hunker down and get ready to be scared out to your britches. I'd always considered the National Park to be my sanctuary. A vast expanse of wilderness, lush forests, rolling hills, and sparkling rivers. And it was where I found peace and solace from the chaos of the world. As an experienced park ranger, I had grown to know every inch of the park, every sound of its wildlife, and the rhythm of nature that flowed through it. But recently, something had changed. A series of gruesome animal killings had shaken the park's tranquility. At first, I had assumed it was the work of a rogue predator, but as the pattern continued, I couldn't shake the feeling that something far more sinister was at work. 
The mutilated remains of the animals suggested an unnatural force, and I couldn't help but suspect that a werewolf was responsible. My suspicions were only heightened when a group of campers arrived, eager to explore the beauty of the park and unaware of the danger lurking within its shadows. I knew I had to convince them of the threat before they became the werewolf's next victims. I approached the campers as they set up their tent, my heart heavy with the burden of knowledge that I had to share. They greeted me with friendly smiles, but their expressions quickly turned to disbelief and fear as I recounted the gruesome events that had unfolded in the park. You can't be serious, one camper said, his voice shaking. Werewolves! Those are just myths, right? <coughs> I wish I could tell you they were, I replied solemnly, but the evidence is all around us, and I believe we're dealing with a very real and very dangerous creature. The campers exchanged worried glances, the gravity of the situation beginning to sink in. With trepidation, they agreed to let me lead them to safety, away from the lurking terror that haunted the park. We set out early the next morning, traveling as a tight-knit group through the dense forest. The once tranquil beauty of the park now felt oppressive and ominous, each rustling leaf and snapping twig setting our nerves on edge. I guided the campers with a steady hand, using my knowledge of the park to avoid any areas where the werewolf might be hiding. As the sun began to dip below the horizon, we found ourselves in a small clearing. The campers were exhausted, their faces pale and drawn. I knew we had to make camp for the night, but I also knew we couldn't let our guard down. We'll take turns keeping watch, I told the group. We can't afford to let the werewolf catch us unprepared. The night was tense, each of us jumping at every sound, our eyes constantly scanning the darkness for any signs of movement. But as the first light of dawn began to break through the trees, it seemed that we had evaded the werewolf's grasp. We continued our journey, moving ever closer to the safety of the park's borders. And as we finally stepped out of the forest and into the open, I felt a surge of relief that we had escaped the werewolf's clutches. The campers thanked me for my guidance and protection, their eyes reflecting a newfound respect for the power of the unknown. As I watched them leave, I knew that my work as a park ranger would never be the same. I had stared into the face of darkness, and I was determined to do everything in my power to protect those who ventured into the wilderness from the lurking dangers that awaited them. I was a park ranger at an American national park known for its lush forests and towering mountains. The stillness of the night was only broken by the occasional hoot of an owl and the rustling of leaves in the gentle breeze. I was on patrol in my jeep, scanning the surroundings for any signs of danger or disturbance. As I drove down a remote road, I suddenly saw a light in the distance. I decided to check it out. As I got closer, I realized that the light was moving, almost as if it was alive. I couldn't explain it, but I had a feeling that something was off. I got out of my jeep and approached the source of the light, my hand instinctively reaching for my flashlight. To my shock, what I saw was a ghostly figure, its translucent body glowing eerily in the moonlight. The ghost was dressed in tattered clothes and had a wicked grin on its face. I felt a chill run down my spine as the ghost suddenly burst into a fit of evil laughter. 
I tried to talk to the ghost to find out what it wanted, but it just disappeared into the woods, leaving me confused and scared. I quickly jumped into my jeep and drove back to the park headquarters, unsure of what had just happened and what the ghost wanted from me. The next morning, I couldn't shake off the feeling of unease from the night before. I told my colleagues about the ghost, but they didn't believe me. They thought I was just imagining things, but I knew what I saw. I decided to investigate further and started to gather information about the history of the park. I found out that the park was built on sacred Native American land and that there had been several reports of ghost sightings over the years. Days went by and the ghost continued to haunt me. I would see it at night, always laughing and taunting me. I couldn't sleep or eat, and my colleagues were starting to become worried about my mental state. One night, I finally couldn't take it anymore. I grabbed my flashlight and headed back to the spot where I saw the ghost. I called out to it, demanding to know what it wanted from me. Suddenly, the ghost appeared, its form becoming more solid. It told me that the park was built on sacred land and that it was angry that its resting place had been disturbed. The ghost demanded that I help it put the spirits of its ancestors to rest by performing a sacred ceremony. I knew that I had to do what the ghost asked, and I worked with local Native American leaders to perform the ceremony. After the ceremony was complete, the ghost finally disappeared, and I was able to sleep peacefully for the first time in weeks. From that day on, I made sure to respect the land and the spirits that inhabited it, and I never saw the ghost again. But I will never forget that frightening encounter and the lesson it taught me about the importance of respecting the dead and the land they call home. However, my colleagues and I started to notice strange occurrences happening around the park. Trees would shake for no reason, and strange whispers could be heard in the wind. Some of the visitors even reported seeing ghostly apparitions in the woods. We soon realized that the ghost was not the only one who was angry. There were others who had also been disturbed by the park's construction, and they were seeking revenge. One night, I received a distress call from one of the camping sites. When I arrived, I found that several tents had been destroyed and several people were missing. I searched the surrounding area and eventually stumbled upon a clearing where I saw the ghostly apparitions standing together holding the missing people captive. I realized that I had to do something to stop them, but I was only one person against many angry spirits. I remembered the ceremony that I performed with the Native American leaders and knew that I had to perform it again this time with the help of my colleague. We gathered together and performed the ceremony calling upon the spirits of the land to restore balance and peace. To our surprise, the ghostly apparitions disappeared and the missing people were released unharmed. From that day on, the park was at peace and the spirits that had once haunted it were finally at rest. I learned that sometimes the things that scare us the most can teach us the greatest lessons and that the land we live on must be respected and honored. I encountered something strange on my job. I work on an oil rig. My job is to run an excavator and mix off the mud that comes out of the ground then do stuff that needs big machine because of the locations of these rigs. 
I have to drive to pretty remote places in the wilderness of Canada. Anyhow, one of the light towers at the edge of the lease went out. I went over it in the forest. I could see these weird light fireflies type of things, but like the size of a basketball, but they weren't bright, like they weren't lighting things up around them. Then I started feeling super uneasy. Then, in between some trees, I could see this big-ass silhouette of a person with red glowing eyes. I ran back into the machine just to see it walking away. When I was in it, I ended up telling the crew, I'm not the only one who's seen it. Like half of them have seen it, and two of them have had it smile at them, WTF is this thing. Also, I'm so sorry for the punctuation. I was hunting deer and bear with two buddies of mine. It was the second weekend of the high cascade deer season. We shot a bear just before dark and could not find it. The clear cut was very brushy and beginning to get very grown over. We decided to go to the pickup drive to the top of the hill, 200 yards or so, pull over and back into a wide spot to spend the night. My buddies slept just behind my truck and I slept in the canopy with the tailgate and canopy door open. Sometime in the night, near midnight, give or take an hour on either side, I was awakened by very loud footsteps when I sat up to look outside. The moon was so bright one could read by it, I saw no one. This is a very remote area. We saw no campsites nearby, so I was surprised to hear someone walking down the road. I rolled over to see if the guys were still there. They were and both asleep. The footsteps were loud and fast. I should have been able to see the person because it sounded so close. I then realized he had to be extremely heavy. I was about to roll over to sit up and look out again when it stopped. It had come around the corner and saw the truck and stopped. I was afraid to move, so I just lay silently and listened. And I heard light footfalls. It was sneaking up on us. It snuck up to the front of truck. Then I could hear it slowly work its way to the back. My head was out on the tailgate. If I tuned my head up and back, I would have been able to see it, but I was too afraid to move. It then went back around the front of the truck and stopped for a few moments. I thought it would leave then. I knew this was not a four-legged animal. I've heard deer and elk, as well as other animals, on gravel roads, and this was definitely bipedal. Now it began to sneak down the other side of the truck to my back and stand just above and behind me. This time I tried to look, but it was just too close to her back to see without turning my head and body, and I was unwilling to do that. This time I could slightly hear it breathing. Then it sneaked back to the road, waited there for, for a minute or two, then loud and fessed down the road it went. We were parked on a long curve, so when I finally looked out, it had just gone out of sight. I was awakened, Walter, when a deer came up to our spot, and it was very different. It snorted at us, then crashed down through the brush. The next day I asked the guys if they heard anything. They said they heard the deer. I didn't tell them about the footsteps. I looked for evidence, but found nothing clear enough. We found the bear packed it out, and I haven't gone back. I was target shooting. I had set up my targets and was just getting ready to begin my first string. A sudden, high-pitched warbling sound began nearby. 
I had my ear muffs on to protect my ears from the rifle blast, but lesser noises could still come through. When I first heard the noise, I thought it was an elk, but thought to myself that it was the wrong season for elk to be bugling. I turned in the direction of the sound and saw a large, hairy, erect humanoid figure standing on the other side of the road, about eighty feet away. I was immediately shocked at the sight, but I knew it meant me no harm. It could have easily slipped up behind me and wrung my neck before I even knew it was there. I couldn't understand why it just stood there looking at me. As I began to change my position, it called out again with a shorter and less intense squeal. I saw no exterior sexual organs, probably because I spent the entire time looking at the face, wondering what was going to happen. I think it was a male, though, because it acted male. I could easily be wrong. It stood there looking at me for about thirty seconds, I think, before it turned and stepped into the brush. Afterwards, I had let my nerves settle down for a while before I could even attempt to shoot. I kept looking at the spot I had seen it, and tried to estimate how big it had been. As nearly as I can figure or guess, it was about seven, one-half feet tall, covered with long, dark brown hair, except for a few white hairs across the shoulders, similar to gorillas and some older men. The arms seemed too long, extending almost to the knees. It made no noise as it entered the brush, passing through the foliage as quietly as if it were a ghost. I'm up north, and this is northern Michigan, and anybody who knows anything about Michigan, once you get past the center of Michigan, it's pretty much all wilderness up until you get to Canada. So my wife's family has a cabin probably three hours north of where we live in a place called Vanderbilt, a very small little village. Their place is way out in the sticks. There's one street, and the street is maybe a mile long, and there are six houses on the whole street. So it's a small cabin, and it sits on maybe close to 70 acres, but it's all wooded, just totally wooded. So the next neighbor is close, but then after that, you know, you're probably about a half mile before you get to the next person. So we're up there on four wheelers. We go up there, take the four wheelers, take a bunch of gas, and we ride, like the whole family. So... This one time, I don't know what in the hell possessed me to do this, but five o'clock or six o'clock up there is not like it is when you're in a city, because there are no street lights and you're totally in the forest. So I've ridden it. I had been going up there for damn near fifteen to twenty years by this time, and had not seen anything, had not heard anything. There was no indication that anything sketchy at all would be going on. So I get my daughters, two of my daughters. So we jump on our wheels, and my thing is, this is like you take a main road down probably a mile, and then you turn, and you go on a dirt road, and then you take that road around. Then you're going to the wood, and then there are things called two tracks in this. It's kind of a place where there's enough area for one vehicle or one four-wheeler or whatever, and then that's where you hit all the trail. So as we're on the main road or whatever... It's still pretty open because it's a paved road and it's two lanes, one going each way. It's pretty wide open and it's not that dark, you know, but the lights of the four wheelers are on. So we go, we make the left, and we get on the dirt road. 
This is a main kind of what you'd consider a main road there. It's not technically inside the wood where the two-track is, so it's a place where you could drive a truck or a car, whatever. So we make those first couple of turns going back there before even getting really into the woods. And the two tracks, it's like it went from five to six o'clock to midnight immediately. I'm like, oh no, this is a bad idea. I started to feel really funny, so I stopped my daughters and I'm like, nope, turn around. I allow both of them to go in front of me and turn around, and I turn around last and I tell them, nope. Just keep going right on back to the cabin. So we're on like, we're not even five to ten, ten minutes from the cabin. So we turn around and we start heading back to the cabin. And as we head back, and I'm in back there and they're in front, both of them. I look to my left and here's what's really weird and kind of how I don't know how your mind works when you see something that you just, you don't really know what you're seeing. Your mind can't process it. I look over and the only thing I can think of is just two people on horses because that's the only thing that my mind could process. A human figure being that tall. Somebody would have to be sitting on top of a horse. That was the first thing my mind processed and they were just standing still, not moving one muscle. Two of them. One is clearly taller than the other by almost a foot. So I'm looking at them. I don't see the back part of the horses at all, but their hair is so long it's like a horse's mane. But it's all over and they're just standing there. I just freaked out because I'm back here in the dark and now my mind is playing tricks on me. So I keep going. We zoom back to the cabin. It's probably 10 p.m. Fifteen relatives were there. They're all sitting around the fire outside, you know, drinking whatever telling stories, having a good time, and we got like five dogs with us because it's three or four families. I think I had two dogs at the time. So we get back and I'm sitting around, of course, telling the story about how that was the worst idea ever because we turned two corners and we were in complete darkness and how I would never, ever do anything that's stupid again. We're sitting around and my back is to the cabin and I'm facing the woods. All of a sudden, all of the dogs started to go completely bonkers. They ran around in circles, peeing on themselves, barking. I mean barking, but totally scared. No bark of aggression at all. I mean, absolutely, totally. They're all going so crazy that everybody corrals their dogs, and they had to put their dogs in the cabin, and the dogs are still going crazy. They just will not stop. So I'm like, what the heck is going on? And my dog, rest in peace, Nala. She's right next to me, but she's just going in circles. Going in circles, going in circles. And I'm like, what's wrong? Relax. 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 So I look straight ahead in the woods and what I see. And this is how I processed it. I see glowing yellow eyes. Two sets. One was probably 11 feet tall and one was probably 12 feet tall. And the only reference I have is I coach basketball. I coached basketball for 20 years, so I know what 10 feet tall looks like, and I know one was 11 feet and one was 12 feet. So I say to myself, this must be two owls in the trees. Wow, owls. Their eyes would be like, you know, close together if it's an owl. 
These are this far apart, uses fingers to show width. And so I just started to look, and I see them blink. I see one of the sets of eyes blink, and then it dawns on me what the dogs are afraid of and what they saw, and I believe that those same two Sasquatch that I had just seen when we rode around the corner coming back. Those two had covered the distance in roughly minutes to get where they were, and they were just outside of our fire and everything else, but they were legit right there watching us. And that's why the dogs went absolutely berserk, because they also saw the same two Sasquatch that I saw up north in. Vanderbilt, Michigan. This has been something that I have always thought about, ever since the day it happened. I only recently learned about skinwalkers, and maybe this doesn't exactly tick all of the boxes for a skinwalker, but here goes. I was eleven. My family and our friends got together to go camping at Lake Truman as we did every year. The other kids and I always stayed up late, and on this particular night we were out even later as there was a full moon which lit up the empty campgrounds. We had been playing hide and seek. I ran into a large clearing in grass and was looking for somewhere to hide when I heard running on the grass towards me. I was instantly filled with absolute terror and seconds later heard a growl. A large black dog, or something similarly shaped, was suddenly visible about thirty feet away. It stopped to look at me for one second before it came running at me. I don't think I've ever been so scared. I couldn't even shriek. I just froze maybe a yard in front of me, and I couldn't place exactly when or see the change in shape or anything. It was my childhood friend, Mason. He continued the dog's path towards me, got right in my face, which was seriously abnormal for him, and just looked me in the eye in a really threatening way before just continuing past. I didn't even look back at him. I was terrified. I ran straight to the campers to find Mason sat talking to our moms. I spat out that he scared me and demanded to know why he'd have done that. I was in tears. All of the adults insisted that he had been there the whole time, and logically there is simply no way he could have made it back before me. It's something that stuck with me that I just can't explain away. I wanted to share something I experienced in 2018, which, after reading some of the descriptions here, made me think posting would be a good idea. Maybe someone can comment on whether this fits the profile or not. This happened in Urbana, Illinois, during spring 2018, around 8 p.m. I was driving in sport utility vehicle through a residential area, 30 miles per hour, with moderate street lighting. I was coming back home from grocery shopping and turned the corner into the usual street. After driving one block, I saw something similar to a large white silver dog figure suddenly run towards the right front wheel of my vehicle. I gauged its size to be substantially larger than that of a German Shepherd, with an unusually bright hide. I braked quickly in fear of having run over it. Within seconds, I got off the car and performed a quick check. No signs of any injured animal, no nearby rustling into an unkempt garden next to where it all happened, no animal crossing the road. This took less than five seconds. Then I paused and saw the same figure two blocks away from where I was, looking at me intensely for about thirty seconds. 
I looked back to the tire in my vehicle an instant, and it was suddenly gone when I checked again. All happened in less than a minute. After this, I drove around several blocks without signs of any dog or similar animal nearby for about ten minutes. Estimating the distance and time between events, I am certain that it is not feasible for a dog, much less such a large one, to run that quickly that distance, particularly without seeing it under street lighting. Comments are welcome. I am a park ranger, and I've seen some strange things in my line of work, but nothing could have prepared me for what I encountered when I was called to investigate reports of strange lights and eerie sounds coming from a section of the park that had been closed for decades. As I made my way deeper into the park, I could feel a growing sense of unease. The trees seemed to loom closer, their branches reaching out to grab at me as I passed. The ground beneath my feet was soft and spongy, and I could hear the squish of mud with every step. After what felt like hours of walking, I finally arrived at the entrance to the closed section of the park. The gate had long since rusted shut, and I had to force my way through the thick vines and brambles that had grown up around it. As I stepped into the area, I was hit by a wave of cold, damp air. The sky was overcast, and a thick fog had settled over the ground, obscuring everything beyond a few feet in front of me. I could hear strange noises all around me, whispers and murmurs that seemed to come from nowhere. I pressed on, following the path deeper into the park. As I walked, I noticed that the trees were different here. They were twisted and gnarled, their bark rough and blackened. The ground was littered with dead leaves and branches, and a foul smell hung in the air. As I approached the clearing, I saw the source of the strange lights. A large metal structure rose up from the ground, its surface covered in strange symbols and marking. As I approached, the symbols seemed to writhe and twist as if they were alive. I hesitated for a moment before stepping inside. The interior was dimly lit, but I could see strange machines and equipment lining the walls. It was then that I noticed the journals and notebooks scattered about the room. As I began to read through them, my heart sank. This place had been a site for top-secret government experiments, and the scientists who had worked here had been studying a form of energy that they called the Dark Force. Their experiments had gone horribly wrong, and they had unleashed something truly horrifying into the world. They had tried to contain it, but it had grown too powerful too intelligent and too malevolent. As I read, I could feel a presence behind me, and I turned to see a figure standing in the shadows. It was humanoid, but its skin was a sickly green, and its eyes glowed with an otherworldly light. I tried to run, but it was too fast, and it was always right behind me. I could hear its ragged breathing and its low growls, and I knew that it was hunting me. I stumbled through the darkened forest, the trees reaching out to snag at me. I could feel the creature's hot breath on the back of my neck, and I knew that it was only a matter of time before it caught me. Just when I thought that all was lost, I stumbled into a clearing. In the center was a small cabin, its windows lit with a warm golden light. I ran towards it, the creature hot on my heels. As I reached the cabin, I threw myself inside and slammed the door shut behind me. 
The creature let out a blood-curdling scream, and I could hear its claws scraping against the wood. After an hour or two, the scraping stopped. I hesitantly exited and saw that this creature left. I immediately ran for clearing and went to Park Ranger Station. I'm quitting this job. I never expected to find something like that in the woods. As a park ranger, I'd seen my fair share of wild animals, but this was unlike anything I had ever encountered before. I was out on patrol, checking the trails, when I heard a low, growling sound. At first, I thought it might be a bear or some other large predator. But as I got closer, I realized that it was coming from something much more sinister. There, in a clearing, I saw an injured animal lying on the ground. It was a large creature with fur as black as night, and eyes that glowed in the darkness. But it wasn't any animal I had ever seen before. It was a monstrous hybrid of few wildlife animals. At first, I was hesitant to approach it. I had heard stories from you, horror den, of creatures like this, stories of their ferocity and their strength. But something in me compelled me to help it. I brought the creature back to the station where I could care for it. I tended to its wounds, trying to keep it calm and comfortable. And as the days went by, something strange began to happen. The creature began to heal at an alarming rate, its wounds closing up almost as fast as I could treat them. But as it grew stronger, it became clear that it was not a normal animal. It was intelligent, almost human, like, and it seemed to be studying me, watching my every move. I knew I needed to find a way to safely contain it, to keep it from causing harm to anyone else. But as I tried to figure out a plan, the creature turned on me. I'll never forget that night. I was alone in the station, finishing up some paperwork when I heard a noise coming from the holding area. I went to investigate, but as I opened the door, the creature attacked me. It was like nothing I had ever experienced before. Its strength was immense, its speed and agility unmatched. It tore through the station like it was made of paper, destroying everything in its path. I fell from injuries and the creature just escaped into the woods. Next day I spent my time searching for this creature, but I never found it again. I know, Horridin, that you think this is BS, but I have no incentive in lying you. Thank you for letting me tell this story. I'd always prided myself on my knowledge of predators in the wild. For years I had been a park ranger tracking and studying the behaviors of animals in their natural habitat. I had seen all manner of creatures from the majestic grizzly bear to the elusive mountain lion, but nothing had prepared me for what was about to happen. It started out innocently enough. I was out on my usual patrol, checking traps and looking for signs of wildlife. The sun was setting and I was getting ready to head back to camp when I heard a rustling in the bushes. My first thought was that it was a deer or maybe a coyote, but as I approached, I realized it was something much more dangerous. The creature was unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was about the size of a large dog, but its body was covered in thick black fur. Its eyes were a bright glowing red, and its teeth were long and razor, sharp, 
I knew right away that this was not a predator I had encountered before. I drew my weapon, but before I could fire, the creature was upon me. It moved with lightning, fast speed dodging my shots and attacking with incredible ferocity. I was forced to use all of my training and experience to stay alive, but no matter what I did, the creature always seemed to be one step ahead. For days, I tried to track the creature, but it always eluded me. It seemed to be getting bolder, coming closer and closer to camp each night. I knew I had to do something before it was too late. I reached out to the government for help, and soon a team of scientists arrived at the park. They told me that they had been tracking the creature for years, but they had never been able to capture it. They believed it was some sort of genetic mutation, a predator that had evolved to be the ultimate hunter. I worked with the scientists to come up with a plan to capture the creature. We set traps and baits, but it, every time we thought we had it, the creature would slip away. It was like it could read our minds, anticipate our every move. In the end, the creature just vanished into the wilderness. I was left shaken and scarred, wondering if I would ever feel safe in the park again.